All right, now I get to tell you something. Um, in fact, if you're watching this video, you're watching it late because there was no live streaming today. Everybody say, Pastor, why no live streaming? Let me tell you why. Because we're in trouble with YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my tribe. That's my tribe. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I just love, I love making sure I'm at the right church on Sunday morning because if you're new here and you think these people are crazy, we are crazy. We're absolutely crazy. No, we're absolutely sane. We're, we're thinking correctly. You say, Pastor, why did you get tagged? All right, I'll tell you why we got tagged. You ready for this? This was episode 60-something of the podcast that I do with, with Pastor Andrew. Now, we're at episode 100 and something now, so YouTube's like way behind, all right? But what we did wrong was we actually made a statement that for a constitutional republic to thrive and be healthy, we have to have election integrity. Now, now wait a minute. I know that's controversial, but like I don't care what side of the fence you are in America— you would think that election integrity is important no matter what party you're affiliated with or what candidate you support. That's something that everybody should be in agreement with, election integrity. But we found out that Facebook or YouTube, YouTube, sorry, YouTube does not allow you to say anything about an election. Now, now for those of you that... You're like, you know, I wish pastor wouldn't talk about these political things. I'm going, I'm going to gently now try to pull your head out of the sand, as gently as I can. Because um, if you haven't figured out, we're not a big fish in the pond. And we're just told that we do not, we no longer have free speech on that platform. In other words, we're not able to say certain things. Now, free speech did not come from the government. It came from God. This is why we got to get our facts right. Our inalienable God-given rights give us, demand the right to be able to worship as we please, to, to express our conscience as we please, and that we are not allowed to be stifled, shut up, read the script. You went off the script. In America, that's not how we live. That's not how we roll. This is serious. And it's chilling. Not fearful, because we just sang about who's going to win. So I'm not afraid, but I'll tell you what, if I wasn't fired up before today, I am fired up now. And, uh, and it, it, it is a time. It is a time to wake up. Now, I could highlight, I could spend every week, I could, I could highlight something that happened. But that's not primarily why we're here. But I want you to know the foundation of our freedoms happens right here. The Church of Jesus Christ has always stood as the last line of defense between tyranny. I don't care where and what country you're talking about. It's the church that is the last bastion of freedom. Because we get it. We know where freedom comes from. We understand our liberties come from God, not from the government. Just this week, I don't know if you saw this, it was on the news, not a lot of the mainstream media news because that's propaganda, but you, if you read news online, you will find that our own FBI raided the home of a pro-life leader, and I think it was the state of Idaho or something like that, 
they had a, they had a big family, kind of like mine, seven or eight kids, and they knocked on the door, came blazing into his house with guns pointing. This is a, a man of God who stands for the unborn and right, right to life. His children are screaming as you would be if you, if you had the FBI come in your house pointing the gun at you. His kids are freaking out. And his crime was every Wednesday he goes to a, a, an abortion mill and pleads with people there not to have that abortion and to trust God with that baby's life. That's called liberty and freedom. We have the right to do that. That was his crime, is uh, he went against, again, the current orthodoxy that's trying to be shoved down our throat. Folks, this is a time to stand up. This is a time for courage. This is a time to know who you are. We're going to talk about this today, and it's not a time to shrink back. This is not the America that we were handed, uh, and it certainly is not the America I want to hand over to my children and grandchildren. So... um, I'm just telling you, if you're watching, that's why we're not on. How long are we going to be not able to live stream? I have no idea till the YouTube gods view, view us favorably. I can't wait till they get to the podcast where we say men can't have babies. Wait till they get to that one. Um, it's going to be crazy. Um. <laughs> hey, we're just starting to have fun around here, I'm telling you. We're just starting to have fun. Um, but this is real, and I just want to encourage you again, for any of you that are still going, you know, I don't like it when they talk about that stuff in church. If you don't talk about this stuff in church, you will not be able to have church. Yes. You'll not be going to church. I won't be preaching the gospel. I'll be having a prison ministry, all right? I will not be preaching the gospel. I want to build on the series that I've been in for the last, what, this is week nine, I guess. We're wrapping this up. And let me just say, when we move into October, uh, we've got some exciting things for you, but we're not going to be doing a series. I'm going to use the month of October for what I call standalone messages. Standalone messages are those things the Holy Spirit kind of puts on your heart or they're annual things or things that we just need to be reminded of in our walk with the Lord. We've also got some special guest ministry coming in this month, which I think you're going to really, really love. And then, of course, we're ramping up at the end of the month, ramping up to an important midterm election and uh, At this church, we always talk about what's going on because leadership matters. And I just want to tell you this, the greatest threat to your liberties is your government. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. And electing godly people in office that share biblical values is absolutely essential. It never takes the place of Jesus. We're not worshiping anybody in office. They're not our Savior. We have a Savior. His name's Jesus. Amen? Um, but we, we would absolutely be foolish not to pay attention to what's going on in the larger picture in our nation today. So we're going to touch on those things as we get closer to the election. Amen? All right. I shared with you last week that Jesus came to heal our broken humanity and not to restore the image of God in us because the, the image of God does not need to be restored, but to restore our broken humanity. And I shared with you, and this is very, very important, if, if Jesus Christ had not come, we would be a bunch of broken people, because how many of you know that's the only people that are in this room this morning is people at various degrees of brokenness? Yes. Amen. I'm not going to have you turn to your neighbor and say, dude, you're broken. You don't have to do that. We're not going to do that. But that's the truth. So first of all, everybody can just exhale, because this is not the perfect club. We can exhale. There's only one perfect human being who perfectly mirrored 
the image and likeness of God. His name's Jesus. And let me just tell you something about Jesus. He's not like anybody else. He's not a, he's not a normal, regular, run-of-the-mill human being. He is the Son of God. But he is God in a bod. And he's the only person that's ever showed us what being fully human looks like. Jesus is the one we go to to determine our identity. If you want to find yourself, you'll never find yourself or discover yourself apart from Jesus. Please hear me. That is a bold statement. You will never be the fullness of you until you experience him. Amen. Otherwise, otherwise you're, you're finding your identity in a whole lot of things that will frankly wear you out. Jesus is the gold standard. He is the model. If we want to know how we're supposed to treat each other, ask Jesus. If we want to know, how, you know certain things about life, what did Jesus have to say? If we want to know how to treat one another, what did, how did Jesus model that? If we want to know how to reflect the image of God, go to Jesus. If you want to know how you're supposed to spend your life, look at Jesus. If you want to know how, how Jesus spent his days and how you should spend your days, look at Jesus because he is the model for us. And I just want to drive this point home. If there's no Jesus, we're all a bunch of broke, broken people trying to figure it out. And, uh, and that's a miserable place to be. We have a standard of humanity. His name is Christ Jesus, the Son of God. He is the image of God. We are made in his image. And the fact that we're made in the image of God gives us two important implications that I want to hit on this morning. How many of you know we have a special dignity as people because we're forever connected to our Creator? This is huge. Where does human dignity come from? Where do human rights flow from? They come from the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God. This puts every race, every people group on the same level before the Lord. This is the foundation for racial healing and for justice. It's rooted in the fact that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Any other solution or any other person that rejects Christ and tries to talk about human rights is borrowing our, our goods to justify their selfish ends or political ends. A candidate who does not know Jesus and submit to Jesus is a liar and somebody who is using their position to create rights out of thin air for votes. The foundation for your dignity is rooted in the fact that you are forever attached to your creator. The value comes from him, not from here, from there. But it's incredible value that we share by being made in the image and likeness of God. The second thing is we have a powerful destiny as people called to enjoy God and to display the glory of Jesus now and forevermore. This is awesome. You not only have a, a sense of dignity about you, but you have a destiny about you. In other words, every person's identity should flow out of their dignity that they have as being made in the image and likeness of God and the destiny that we share as being people who are called to mirror or show forth the glory of the Lord. This is an incredible privilege. This is why when we get together and the Lord shows up and people get touched, people leave going, oh my gosh, I can't think of anything better I would want to do. How many of you know the secret to your destiny is through expressing the glory of God and touching other people? 
If you just live for yourself, if you're just focused about your own identity, you're going to be a miserable, lonely person. Your destiny comes out of your dignity, which comes out of God Almighty. And how many of you know your identity matters? The decisions you and I are going to make today about how we live our life flows out of what we feel about ourselves or who we think we are. Most of us have terrible sense of identity. The first thing that comes to our mind when there's a new challenge before us is, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I don't have enough this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. I was talking with a candidate who's running for office. I won't mention her name, but she's an amazing lady. Last name's Cade. She's sitting in the back right there. You probably know her, but... um, but Dawn's running for, for school board, as you all know. And she's going, Pastor, Pastor. Dawn, it's okay if I share this, right? Because I, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's always good to ask about halfway through sharing uh, what you share. <laughs> no, I know Dawn. But I love Dawn. This is why I mean, you just, instantly when we're put in new situations, there's a voice inside of our head that tells us why we can't do whatever it is that we know God's called us to do. Am I talking to the right crowd? That's because by nature, We're not moving in the identity God's giving us. We're getting beat up by life. Other people are speaking death to us. And we default to a position of identity that's very weak and fragile. Is it you or is it just me or are we all together on this? We, we constantly have to deal with this. Now, this is important. Your identity helps drive the decisions that you make. If you have a lousy, insecure identity that's not rooted in Christ, you're going to constantly be putting yourself down and constantly be quitting on what God wants you to do, and you're going to live a boring, predictable life. How many of you don't want to live that life? All right, good. I don't either. Here are basic needs God has put within every human being made in his image. And I want you just to say amen if you can relate to these. First of all, anybody want to be significant? You want to know that your life matters. I'm talking about, okay, good. You want to know that this is not just an accident, all right? You want your life to count. There there needs to be a legacy that we leave uh, when we go home. How many of you know safety is a big one? We want to make sure we live in a a country and a neighborhood that's secure, that we can pursue the God-given dreams that he's put in our hearts. Safety is a big issue. Belonging. Anybody like to belong? You want to fit. You want to be home. You want to be part of your tribe. You want to have small groups that are life-giving. You want to be known. You want to be seen. This is a huge need every human being has. We want to be loved, of course. We want someone to love us unconditionally for who we are. We want to have purpose in our lives. We want to know that we're going somewhere. We're not just floundering. And lastly, this is huge in every relationship. We want to be understood. In fact, this is the foundation for many marital problems is that one party or the other feels like they're not understood. Why won't he listen to me? Or why won't she let me finish speaking? Or you feel like, how come no one's listening to me? And I'm, I'm not being understood. These are huge needs that we all have. Now, let me tell you this. This is what flows out of our broken humanity. We're going to try to figure out how to meet those needs because they're part of who we are. God Almighty has ordained that the needs we have drive us back to him as the source and the meter of those needs. Does this make sense? So the sooner you can understand in life that the challenges that you face are not meant to destroy you but to bless you because they meant to drive you back to your Father who wants to reveal more of his pleasure, more of his goodness, more of his abundance to you through the challenges that you're facing in life. The problem is many of us get this great idea that God can't be trusted and we need to take life into our own hands. And so we start trying to fill those six needs in our own strength. Anybody ever been there, done there, tried that? That does not end well because here's the challenge. If we listen to Satan and his messengers in the world long enough, what we hear over and over again is this phrase, you're not enough. Anybody ever have that going on in your head? You're just not enough. No matter what I do, I'm never enough. Not enough, not enough. We need to ask the question, not enough for what? 
Well, not enough to have the deepest longings in my heart met. In other words, I don't measure up. And how about this one? When you don't measure up, you lose. And when you lose, you develop an identity as a loser. So most of us spend our lives just trying to run from the label that in the deepest core of our being, we really believe that we're losers. We don't measure up, and we're not enough. These are humongous identity things that most of us deal with every single day. But here's the challenge. If your identity is not rooted in Christ, you're going to forever be trapped in endless cycles of self-promotion fueled by competition and comparison. Let's just pause right there. Endless cycles of self-promotion fueled by competition with each other and comparison. Anybody ever been there? And it goes on to say the result of all this perform or the result of all this is performance and exhaustion. See, you see this in the church. This, this is why my dad was brilliant. He would always say, if you came to Living Stones, there's a six-month rule. Now, it wasn't a hard, fast rule. We didn't write the date down when you started, and we didn't measure out when six months was up. It was a principle, but this was the principle. Come to the church and just receive the Father's love and just be. Don't do. Just be. Do you know how hard it is for people that are infected with stage four religion to do that? And most of us, let me just say, are, are, we're, we're religion survivors. Religion says get on the treadmill and show everybody how anointed you are and all the gifts that you have so that you could be used. Of course, we had for the glory of God, but really it's more about my glory than it really is about the glory of God because I get, you know how I know that? Because I get really irritated when no one recognizes it, how awesome I am. So here's what's really cool. You don't have to perform. And how about this? You don't have to compare. Oh, well, I play p- piano better than her. Why don't they have me up there? Why are you comparing? Why are you finding your identity in somebody else instead of your identity in Christ and who he made you? Why are you so insecure that you got to run around in competition with everybody when this is your team? Like, we're not competing with people around here. We're celebrating each other's, ready for this? Uniqueness. Like, you're the only you. When we make much over folks who commit themselves to membership, we're not saying, hey, it's a rat race. See if you can preach one week. Or, hey, you try to be a life group leader. Lots of luck. There's lots of new people here. No, that's not the approach. We celebrate the fact that every person that stands up here is absolutely unique. There's no one like them. So why don't I just celebrate them and stop trying to compare myself? And certainly, why would I want to compete with any of you when we're on the same team again? So stop the religious performance, which will kill you and exhaust you. Get delivered, man. Get get Holy Ghost chemo. Wipe out that religious bug that is trying to kill you, keep you performing, 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 and let, the, let God love you to life and find out who you are in your identity in Christ. This is great news. If your identity is founded on what's eternal, then those decisions about what I do with my life will flow out of a deep sense of personal worth and security. Listen, things that are eternal by nature 
are constant and unchanging. Please hear me. When you build your identity on what is eternal, there's a stability about who you are. You're not young people. Listen to me. It seems like you go through your early years of life, up through teenage, college years, whatever. Everybody's trying to be cool, to fit in, to, to be accepted. Identity styles change. You change. Hair colors change. You change your hair. Some of you are going, Pastor, you're jealous. I'm not comparing. I'm really not. I don't have any hair. I just threw that out there. But my point is this. You're like a chameleon. You're morphing continually because your identity is not rooted in what's eternal and unchanging and constant. It's, it's rooted in what the latest fad is that's going on around you. Now, I'm not, you know, making a plea for nerddom today. All right? I'm not saying you need to, you know, be, be out of touch with what the fashion trends are or whatever. I'm saying quit building your identity on things that are constantly changing and build your identity on something eternal that's unchanging. The truth is, Jesus Christ satisfies the deepest longings of the human heart. I'm going to say it again to make sure you heard it. Jesus Christ satisfies. Jesus Christ satisfies. Whatever yearning and longing is in your heart, here's the answer. Jesus. 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 And here's the good news. Write this one down. This will preach. Christ satisfied our deepest longings, not by performance, but through inheritance. Oh, let this bomb go off in your heart. My identity does not come from my seat at the table. If I fight to get a seat at the table, my condition for being at the table means I keep winning, I keep dominating, I keep producing, I keep performing. But when all those things stop, then I get ejected from the table. I'm no longer cool. I'm no longer at the table. I'm no longer a winner. Now I'm a loser. People deal with this all the time on their career path and everything else. Listen, who you are does not come from what you do. It comes from what you You've been given. It's an inheritance. You don't have to run for it, strive, perform. It's a gift from God. Look at this verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished. Everybody say lavished. That word is so extravagant, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, this is so foundational, but it's so freeing. If you boil down the cabbage, as they say, the core of who you are is not what you've created yourself to be. It's not a self-created identity. It's an identity that God has lavished on you in his love. It's an identity fundamentally of either being a son or a daughter of God Almighty. Every one of us in this room, if we have invited Christ into our lives, we're either sons or your daughters. God is totally binary. You're either sons or your daughters. What does it mean to be a son? That's the joy of life. Understanding what it means to be a beloved son. I get to spend the rest of my life and then the rest of eternity letting God unpack for me my inheritance in him and what it means to be a son of God Almighty or a daughter of God Almighty. You don't earn it. You receive it. It is an absolute gift. As God's child, it means you're significant. Hallelujah. You're loved. You're accepted. And you're secure. And listen to this. Another truth bomb right here. Listen to this. The foundation of your relationship with God is not your performance, but his. Yes. Amen. Oh, 
This is so good. Some of you just need to exhale. Because here's what happens. You get saved, and then you're led to believe that your relationship, your future with God depends on your performance. You just got, you, you know you can't perform to get saved, but after you get saved, you put your performance suit on again. And, and, and now to stay in good standing with God, you have to perform. You go right back to the stage four religious cancer that you want to embrace it back into your life. This is crazy. Please hear this. Your identity that's given to you by God is a gift from God that's based on what he did, Jesus did for you, not on your ability to maintain your good standing. Now, let me say, maintaining our good standing simply means I want to have a relationship with Jesus. How about you? So does my behavior matter? Well, yeah, I can't, I can't keep living like an unsaved person and expect to have intimacy with God or to move in the favor of God. I need to know the Lord. And, and can I just say something with you? Knowing him should be the greatest privilege of our lives. This is not, not ever duty. Never duty or obligation. It's an invitation to satisfy the deepest longings of our heart and to be the most awesome person Christ has ever called you to be, doing the most awesome things you could have ever imagined in his name and for his glory. Does this make sense? But it's not your performance. It's his. So quit acting like you got to shoulder the weight of this journey. You don't. Jesus did it for you. Terry Wardell says this, in Christ, God loves you before you are lovable. Can anybody say praise the Lord on that one? He chooses you before you are acceptable. See, some people still, they say, well, I I can't come to church. The sky would split open. The roof would cave in. God would strike me with a lightning bolt. No, no. The good news is (laughs) he chooses you before you are acceptable. You don't have to perform to be acceptable. This is amazing. This is almost like they should call this good news, you know? Oh, wait, they did. They did. They did. Somebody already did. I forgot. He loves you before you're lovable. He chooses you before you're acceptable. Listen to this one. He empowers you before you're responsible. Let me just tell you, there could be someone in this room today that gives their life to Christ, and they become a son or a daughter. And then I might say, hey, would you pray for that lady next to you? She needs a touch from God. And you could be 30 seconds old in the kingdom of God, and you can lay your hands on somebody and pray in Jesus' name, and God could use a miracle in their lives. Because he, he doesn't just entrust you with responsibility. When you become responsible, he trusts you with the life he's given you, and then you grow into it. And all the way along, he's nurturing and helping and sustaining But this is great news. Go back to the baptism of Jesus. I don't have time to completely unpack this. But how many of you know when Jesus was baptized, he hadn't started his public ministry yet? He's 30 30 years old. Hadn't started his public ministry yet. Of course, he was baptized and he was led into the wilderness. uh, And at the coming out of the wilderness, he was empowered with the Holy Spirit. And he began to declare that. Remember the passage from Isaiah? This passage is fulfilled in your midst today. Uh, It was about setting the captives free. That's when he began his public ministry. But I want you to see something. Before he did anything in terms of functioning as the Redeemer, he was loved. The Father yelled out from heaven, this is my beloved son. Right? Beloved son. That was not based on Jesus' ministry in whom I'm well pleased. 
He was accepted by God. And then the Holy Spirit shows up like a dove. Jesus baptized and empowered in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he was commissioned with responsibility before he had done one thing. Because what he did was not based upon his performance. It was based on his inheritance. And can I just say something? We will screw up the ministry. If we're doing ministry trying to get loved, trying to be accepted by God or others, or trying to hope that God would somehow entrust us with this thing and as soon as we're mature enough, when last time I checked, the grace of God and the gifts of God are, are lavishly poured out on people that are woefully, many times, not ready. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Let me say, I started pastoring people long before I ever felt ready. In fact, I actually probably felt more ready then than I do now because I was young and performance-driven. Now I'm older, and I get it. I know I'm dangerous apart from God. I know I'm nothing apart from God. But I never want to minister to you out of a sense, I hope you all like me. I hope you all accept me. I hope if I preach good, God likes me. Those are all givens. I am loved. So are you. I am accepted. So are you. I am empowered with the Holy Spirit. So are you. Now we get to figure out what God wants us to do with all this amazing stuff he just blessed us with for free. Well, actually, it wasn't free. It was because of Jesus. The foundation of the story of Jesus and his baptism is one of union. God was declaring that he and Jesus were in relationship and that through the Holy Spirit, all the longings of his life would be satisfied. In the Father, Jesus would find security, acceptance, significance, purpose. Christ's identity was son. And the resources of the Father were now his. Can I just tell you nothing has changed? Jesus is the model. Where did Jesus receive all that he needed to model what humanity looked like? From the Father. Where do we receive everything we need for life and godliness? Through our union with Christ. Can I just tell you this morning, we lack nothing. Pastor, you don't know about the economy. We lack nothing. Pastor, you don't know the challenges in my life. You know, we've got some serious challenges. You lack nothing. Stay in union with the Father. Move in your relationship and your identity in him and watch God father you through the biggest challenges of life. That's the truth about the gospel. Look with me in Colossians chapter 3 very quickly. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says over and over again that we have been brought to new life in Christ, but how many of you know we're still works in progress? We're still scarred. Anybody still got some scars from the past? And I, I just need to say this for some of our young people. Sometimes when you're young, inexperienced, immature, you think you can play around with sin, and, and the Lord, you say stuff like this, I know God will forgive me. Yeah, the Lord always forgives true repentance. But can I just tell you something? Sin leaves a scar. And while you're forgiven, it doesn't mean that the scars from your past sin and from a wayward life do not still stick with you. You see the scars, and you also deal with the, the influences of sin, but praise God, we're free from sin. Amen? But let me just say something. Don't live for scars. Don't, don't, don't believe the lie that you're going to satisfy your deepest longings apart from Jesus Christ. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. 
And don't feel like you got to go build a testimony so you have this great testimony because all the days you spent out in the world. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Why not experience the fullness of God's identity over your life now and enjoy the blessings, the full blessings, the full measure of the blessing of God on your life? Colossians 3, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits. Notice it's a finished work. He sits in a place of honor at the right hand of God. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life, everybody say real life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Look at verse 4. It says it again. When Christ, read that next part with me, who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Martin Lloyd joins, Lloyd joins, Martin Lloyd, how my word. Tongue twister here. Martin Lloyd Jones, a great theologian, he said this, our greatest need is to become who we already are in Christ. Think about that. Our greatest need is to become who we already are. It's a profound statement. Can I start, share with you guys? Many people in America, we want Christ to come alongside and supersize our identity. What we want to do, what we have in our heart. Or we just want Jesus to keep us out of hell. How many of you know, there's so much more that he offers than just fire insurance. He's not just here to bless my life. Jesus said this, if Ron, if you want to know who you are, you have to die. You have to lose your life. And you have to let Christ emerge. In fact, didn't Jesus say that? If you lose your life, you'll find your life. But until you lose it, you'll never find it. Let me tell you where courage comes from. Courage comes from thinking about the realities of heaven and what's coming more than the present challenges on earth. Can I just tell you something? And I love being a part of this tribe here. Where does courage come from to speak the truth? Because I realize that no matter what it's going to cost me this side of eternity, it's nothing compared to what awaits me. My identity is not rooted in the soil of this earth. My identity is rooted in forever. I'm going to say that again. Pastor, you need to tone down your YouTube. We're not toning nothing down. We're going to talk louder, more bolder than we ever have. Why? I'm not looking for accolades on earth. I'm getting closer now than I've ever been to the great day when I stand before God and give an account for my life. We're not thinking about that. If you're forced at your workplace to sign some type of of, uh, agreement, diversity pledge, and what you're pledging to is perversion that Jesus has identified as perversion. Do you sign the pledge? Let me help you out. If your eyes are set on eternity, no, you don't sign the pledge. If your eyes are fixed on comfort, on acceptance, on human popularity, on the next promotion at your work, then you cave. Get your identity in what's going to last, not on what's fleeting. There were some of you. There were some of you, get the shot, get the jab, or be fired. And, you know, as Americans, we used to honor conscience because conscience belonged to God. Conscience was sacred. So some of you said, you know, I'm not comfortable doing that. And praise the Lord. You said, I don't want to do that. And you might have gotten fired from your job. Hallelujah. Preserving your conscience and your integrity and truth is more important than caving in to whatever the latest pressure is this side of eternity. Get your eyes on heaven. 
Find your identity in Christ. Figure out where you're going to stand now. Because I'm telling you, things are getting interesting. You have got to get to the place where you don't care. There's only one opinion, saints, at the end of the day. One opinion that matters. You'll stand before God, not as a tribe, not in your family, not in your workplace. You'll stand before God yourself. With your heart, your identity, your conscience, your integrity. And listen, you want to have a smile on your face. So the sooner you die, the better. And let Christ arise in your heart. The sooner you die, the better. This is where strength comes from. It comes from Jesus. It comes from eternal things. I'm going to close here. The piano music is great, Leishy, but I'm not listening to it right now. I'm not going to. I got important stuff I got to say right now, and the parking lot will take care of itself. Last thing I'm going to say, I got a little more wiggle room to service. That's from my perspective, not from the parking lot. All right. John chapter 13. Let me close with this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Can I just stop right there? Jesus is my model and your model. Jesus knowing in his heart of hearts that the Father, look at what it says, had given all things for life and godliness into his hands. That's what we do when we worship. Ron Johnson, knowing that the Father has given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, he knew where he came from, his past, and that he was going back to God, he knew what eternity had in store. Jesus got up from dinner. He laid aside his outer garments, and he took a towel, and he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. What a powerful picture. We know, how many of you are glad you know where you came from and you're not that person any longer? Hallelujah. You're, you're forgiven and free. Woo! And, and how many of you... How many of you know where you're going? Listen, listen. If you're here today, the Holy Spirit's talking. If you're here today and you are not 100% sure of your future, I'm inviting you up here to settle the deal and quit playing this game of I hope so. You'll never move in authority and identity until you know where you've come from and where you're going. And then this next part's important. What does the person who's secure in their identity do with his or her life? We serve people. How do you know? How do you know you're healthy? You give your life away to serve people. This is really awesome, man. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm free. I know I belong to the Lord. I'm a son. I know where I'm going. I know my future is secure. I'm excited about it. I'm not afraid of what the future holds. And consequently, now what am I going to do? I'm going to give my life away joyfully serving all of you and whoever else comes here and whatever nations of the world we go. The one constant is my sonship and then my service. My sonship, my service. I'm not having to wonder, who am I today? Do I need to go to therapy? I know who I am. I'm learning how to unpackage.
the joy of what that means. I'm learning how to experience more of Jesus and his presence. I want to see more signs, more wonders, more fruit, more glory, more God. I want his love to lavish us. I want it to overwhelm us in this place to where we're just absolutely wiped out just sitting in the presence of God being sons or daughters. And that would be enough forever and ever and ever, just being in that place of being incredibly loved by the Father. Letting him heal me on the inside out. Make me into the son that he's always dreamed for me to be. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you guys. And I want to give an invitation, an identity invitation. Identity for a Christian is a gift. It's not a performance. And I just want to say this. Your identity is not primarily for you. It's primarily to make him known. It's so that you can reflect the fullness of the life of God in you to, to, a, to a broken, hurting, lost world. And so other people can experience what it's like to be a beloved son or daughter. Identity fundamentally at the end of the day is not about Ron Johnson. It's about God Almighty, our amazing Father. So, Father, I, I pray right now just for a release of faith in the hearts of people. I pray, I pray that if you're struggling today and there's a sense of, of, of not really knowing who you are right now, you know what? Come and surrender. Come and let God overwhelm you with his hugs and his love and his affection. God wants to empower you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you if you don't know him. So we're going to have some really friendly people up here just waiting for you, waiting for you. And, and can I just exhort you with one other thing? This is so important. When you feel something go off on the inside, when I'm speaking and I'm preaching and the Holy Spirit is on the Word of God and God nudges you with something, that's the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to act on that. There's something God's wanting to do. Never brush that aside and just head out of this building. God's always pursuing you. He is so crazy about you. He loves you so much. And he'll touch your heart in an atmosphere like this. And all he wants from you is to respond. It's a relationship. Just respond to him. So Holy Spirit, capture your people. Touch hearts, Lord. Heal hearts. Awaken destiny. Awaken calling, Lord. And Lord, if there's people that don't know you today, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to take off the veil. Let people see the good news of your great love for them. Some of you need to hear this today. You don't have to keep performing. Stop it. Get off the religious treadmill and just let the Lord love you right where you're at. Right where you're at. Lord, thank you for this privilege of being together. Bless us as we go our separate ways. We commit this week to you, Lord. May we reflect the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God everywhere we go. We pray this in your mighty name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Hey, love you all. Have an amazing day. If you need prayer, come on down, all right?